The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In this episode I'm speaking to Ashley as she shares the birth stories of her two kids Zoe and Piper. During her first pregnancy, Ashley put a lot of thought into what she'd like her hospital birth to look like and attended a calm birth course. She had a long labour, going days without sleep before finally delivering Zoe in hospital with the aid of an episiotomy. It took a while for her to integrate the emotional impact of her birth and challenging postpartum, and it wasn't until she fell pregnant again that she realised she wanted to do things differently for her next birth. She goes on to describe in detail her beautiful home birth and slow supported postpartum. Ashley, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Would you like to um, start by sharing a little bit of yourself and your family and um, yeah, what you've been up to in the last little while with COVID and parenting? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, my name's Ashley. I live in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne with my husband, Adam, and my two girls, Zoe, who is uh, 20 months, and Piper, who's two months. Um, I I'm a secondary teacher, but I haven't um, worked in a couple of years since having Zoe. Um, just been raising little ones and being pregnant, and here we are. Yeah, beautiful. And that's a pretty close age gap. They would have been 18 months apart, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, super yeah. close. Yeah, I was about nine months. Uh, Zoe was about nine months when I um, found out I was pregnant with Piper. Um, wow, yeah. So, yeah, super close age gap, um, which, yeah. yeah, so far so good. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And, yeah, going back to Zoe's conception, would you like to share a little bit about that, how that came about, whether that was a planned pregnancy or, um, yeah, what the decision like was like to start a family? Sure. Um, definitely a planned conception. Um, Adam and I got married quite young, actually. Um, I was 24 and he was 26. And um, we always knew we wanted to have kids and we sort of thought it would happen like soon after we got married, um, but we were just having too much fun. <laughs> so we got asked year after year, when are you having babies? And we were just you know, enjoying being with each other. And um, then one day in 2018, we're like, should we, should we do it? <laughs> are we ready? Have we had enough fun yet? <laughs> um and, uh, yeah, had the chat and thought, yep, yeah, okay, let's see what happens. And, yeah, I was ovulating that weekend and bingo, <laughs> first first go really. So we were very lucky in that sense. Wow, yeah. And yeah. did you find out, um, yeah, having kind of been 
consciously made the decision to try to conceive? Did you find out fairly early that time? Yeah. Um, we, especially because um, uh, we had a few events around that time. So um, I took I took a pregnancy test sort of the, the week after conception it would have been because um, uh, we had like a couple of parties and whatnot. So I just wanted to be responsible. Um, but that test came up negative. So I was like, okay, that's fine. It's still early, but also it, it may not have happened. I've got no idea how easy or hard this is going to be. Um, and then the following weekend, again, we were flying over to Adelaide to visit a couple of friends for um, his 30th birthday. So I said, I better take a test again just because this uh, this weekend could get a bit uh, fun. Um, and, yeah, I took a t- pregnancy test and it was positive. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, pretty soon after I didn't wait for a missed period or anything. I just sort of was testing um, consciously and, yeah, still pretty shocked when those two lines came up though. Yeah, wow, especially, you know, only like a few weeks after having had that conversation and decided to yeah, exactly right. go to being pregnant within three weeks is, yeah. yeah. I know because I always had this like a slight worry in the back of my mind. Um you know, how, how hard is it going to be for us? You know, are there any underlying issues that we don't know about yet? Um, I think just when you know you, you want something quite badly, you, well, I'm quite a cautious person, so there's always that niggle in the back of my mind like, oh, God, hopefully everything is, you know, working as it should and, you know, there's no fertility issues. Um, and, yeah, it turns out we are super fertile. <laughs> no issues there. So that's, a, yeah, a relief and a blessing. Yeah, beautiful. And, um, yeah, you found out quite early and then did you, were you already experiencing any symptoms or did you, um, yeah, how did you feel in that first trimester? Yeah, well, when I um, when I took the test, um, I was like, I'm, I sort of did think it would be positive because I just remember, like, my boobs were, like, so sore and so engorged and I was like, this is not a normal period symptom something else is going on here so I definitely experienced body changes like pretty early on um and then I was fine for the next few weeks after finding out and then um yeah I just felt like I was hungover every single day like really tired and groggy and nauseous and the only thing that would make me feel better was you know like a box of Savoy's or (laughs) toast or you know all the all the carbs um Mm. so it just felt really average and I had shocking heartburn as well and that was hard with you know not eating a very balanced diet and um I was working as a school teacher at this point so um you know trying to yell at a room of year 10 boys to be quiet and feeling like that was really hard but um yeah I got there in the end (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah really classic kind of first yeah, exactly right. symptoms yeah. but so hard and yes. um had you thought much before you fell pregnant about what sort of model of care you'd like to remember for your birth or had you I mean yeah were you kind of aware of what your options were or how were you how what sort of decision was it like when you were choosing a care provider yeah I had no idea we hadn't thought about it at all um had a couple of friends that had had babies or and I had one friend who was pregnant at the same time as me. Um, but I, I don't know, I had never really thought about birth or 
what that would mean or what it would look like. Um, you know, as a lot of people, you just, um, you know, sort of grow up thinking it happens in a hospital and that's that. So we um, didn't look too much into care providers at all. We just signed up with the local public hospital. And, um, yeah, looking back, like, the care is pretty crappy, like seeing a different midwife or each appointment. So it just feels like every time you sort of going for your um, antenatal checkup, you're, you know, they're just going through their checklist of questions to ask and you're going through your checklist of <clears throat> how to answer them. Um, and, yeah, it just felt very disjointed and weird, but I didn't really know any different. Um, but along the journey I started to educate ourselves um, on the type of birth we wanted, but we still just stuck with the that sort of standard public hospital care. Yeah, sure. And um, did you opt to do any birthing classes during your pregnancy? And usually the hospital offers one, or maybe um, you did one privately. Or um... yeah, we weren't. We weren't. Keen. Although we were using the hospital, we were sort of keen to stay away from um, their sort of educational programs. Uh, we did a calm birth course over a weekend. Um, Adam and I did that together, and so that was that was really good and helped um, set the scene a bit for the type of birth that we wanted to have. And prior to that, I had done a lot of reading as well um, in a May and um, a couple of other sort of hypnobirthing style birth books. Um, so yeah, I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted it to look like, but you know, being first time mum. You, yeah, you just don't know till you know. You don't know exactly what your body is going to do and feel like um, no matter how much you read and prepare yourself for. Um, but, yeah, I feel like we did, you know, all the right things leading up. We, um, you know, practised the breathing techniques and relaxation and, um, yeah, Adam was really, really on board as well doing lots of reading himself. So, um, yeah, we felt like we were preparing ourselves quite well yeah yeah did you do anything um it sounds like you're quite well educated and having done the calm birth course um as well you sort of understood some of the limitations of of the care that you would receive at the hospital so was there anything um I'm curious to know if there was anything that you sort of specifically did to set yourself up to be able to advocate for the birth that you wanted in hospital or um yeah. yeah, well, we wrote up a birth plan um, and I guess we were just very um, sure of ourselves and of our plan um, and Adam knew that he, sort of it was going to be one of his major roles to advocate for what we wanted and what I wanted. Um, but beyond that, I guess we were quite naive in um, what actually happens when you get to the hospital. So, um, you know, we... We were talking the talk and we sort of knew what we wanted and what we wanted to happen. Um, but, you know, once once you get there and everything's, you know, pretty overwhelming and you so, slowly start to realise that you're sort of just another another birthing woman coming in and um, I'm not even sure if they read our birth plan in the end. Um, I remember, uh, I won't jump too far ahead, but I remember getting asked questions during the last stages of labour, and I'm like, oh, just read it. Like, why am I answering this? It's written down there for you. Mm. Um, 
to read. So, yeah, I felt, like I said, we felt prepared, but um, a little bit of that naivety um, in exactly how it would play out in the hospital setting. And I guess it was because as well we didn't have that continuity of care. There are some midwife programs through hospitals which might play out a little bit differently because you get to talk to and um, build a relationship with the same midwife or midwives. But, yeah, for us it was just whoever was on shift that day and um, they didn't know us from anyone else. Yeah, definitely. And I can imagine, you know, once you're in the hospital and you're already in labour, you, you know, you don't have the headspace and the energy and kind of, you know, you don't want your focus to be on having to advocate for yourself so forcefully. So, you know, exactly you really right. end up a bit at the whim of the system, I think. Yeah, exactly right. And just because you are in, you know, their hospital and their hospital room, you don't, you know, you feel like a, you know, like a visitor or someone just coming in to use their services anyway. You don't feel like you've really got that full comfort and confidence to sort of set the pace. You know, you're in their space. That's how it felt to me. Mm, yeah, definitely. And they really capitalise on that, I think. not. I'm sure not every single midwife and not every single doctor or hospital, yeah. I think as a general rule they kind of capitalise on that power imbalance and yeah, consent is maybe not taking place a lot of the time because of that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So just going back into the sort of um, into your pregnancy, how, how was your health for the rest of the pregnancy and did you have any kind of um, other concerns come up at all? No, I had a really good pregnancy with Zoe, um, except for that first trimester yuckiness. But after that, um, I felt really good. I, um, yeah, was still... Hmm. doing some... I, <laughs> that was a sneeze in the background. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, I was doing uh, some yoga and walking and my body felt really good. I was work, working still. The days were pretty long, especially towards the end, um, but just the timing of my pregnancy was quite good. You know, school holidays fell in there and a few long weekends and stuff which helped to break up the long work weeks. Um, and so I worked up to 34 weeks and then that that six or so weeks before Zoe came was just so lovely. Like I just, you know, had a midday nap every day and went for nice long walks with our dog and, you know, went and got massages and had baths and just really, really enjoyed that late stage of pregnancy, just, yeah, looking after myself, I guess, and my body. And it was just really, really nice. Mm. And I was, yeah, I was feeling lucky because my body was feeling pretty good. I had a few little niggles, um, you know, that heavy feeling and a few aches and pains now and then, but um, nothing too bad that really stopped me in my tracks. So it was lovely. Yeah. And, um, yeah, what were some of the early signs of your labour starting and... Um... And, yeah, what did you, how did you kind of cope during early labour? Yeah, so I had a really, really long labour with Zoe. Um, I got to 40 weeks and then uh, I think it was 40 plus two, um, I woke up with some mild period pain sort of cramping, um, which I'd had a little bit over the last few days, but this stuck around for a little bit longer. And I was like, okay, things might be starting to happen now. Um, but, you know, following 
all the advice and all the rules, I just sort of relaxed and knew that it could still be days or weeks away. And we um, went for a nice big walk that day and um, just to see if that would sort of get things going. But um, things sort of died off and I, um, yeah, nothing, sort of nothing eventuated. And so my husband went um, out for the day. He was coaching football team at that point. So he went off to the local footy and I just had to sleep on the couch and rested and everything. And then, you all right? <laughs> um, yeah, and then I woke up that afternoon with the same sort of feeling. Um, so I was like, oh, okay. And started to notice that um, there was still the sort of mild cramping, but quite quite rhythmic, so it was coming and going. And I was like, oh, this is different. This this might be the start. And then um, Adam got home and I sort of told him and he was super excited and he's like, oh, you know, let's start timing them. Um, let's, you know, see what's happening. But they were really, really far apart at that point. Anyway, fast forward a few hours and, um, yeah, the surges were sort of getting – a little bit more intense and a bit more closer together and um yeah we were so excited <laughs> um, it, was, it was probably yeah nine or ten at night at this point and I knew I should just be going to bed and resting but um we just couldn't and I was a sorry are you okay um yeah, I just I couldn't rest. I couldn't really lie down. I wasn't very comfortable anyway. Um, and things sort of kept ramping up. And it got to about um, two in the morning. Um, and, you know, these surges were sort of, you know, taking my breath away um, and coming every three minutes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so the contractions sort of started coming every every two or three minutes and, you know, everything you read is or every, every advice you're given is sort of like, you know, when the contractions are three and ten, that's sort of your time to get to the hospital. So they called the hospital and um, they were like, yeah, sorry. It's totally fine. Um, yeah, anyway, we were probably way too excited and we thought, yep, let's go to the hospital. Like, this is happening. Things are coming on pretty thick and fast now. Um, I was in a lot of discomfort. It was very intense and I was really calling on my breathing to, um, to get through the contractions. And I, I also had a TENS machine that I was using. Did you find um, it to be helpful? Uh, yes. Yes, I did, um, and I used it in the, the, my second labour as well, and uh, mm. um, it was yeah amazing. I really highly recommend anyone give it a go. Um, mm. I know it doesn't work for some people, but yeah, I really loved it. Yeah, I've heard um, I've heard really good things from a lot of people about yeah. Sorry, if you put it on early enough, I think it's really really beneficial. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, besides, um, yeah, it sounds like things, or you at least thought that things were kind of ramping up pretty quickly. Did you feel like you were able um, before you went to hospital to kind of keep with your calm birth breathing and and sort of, you know, manage the um, contractions quite well or were you feeling a bit, you know, overwhelmed and out of control? Yeah, I was feeling really good and that probably should have been a sign that things weren't <laughs> maybe as pro- progressed as we thought they were because um, I was, yeah, I was really calm and focused and, you know, we bought all our essential oils and LED candles into the hospital and set up the room and everything and created a really nice space and but looking back I was still very much um, like conscious and in that sort of thinking brain I was very aware of what was going on um, and anyway um, we got sorry you go there you go um I was just going to say when you got to the hospital did they do did they check your cervix at all when you arrived yeah, so when we got there, they put the stupid CTG machine on, um, uh, even though I sort of said, you know, is that completely necessary? Um, but I don't know, being in the middle of the night, perhaps, I can't really remember, but perhaps they were a little bit short-staffed. And I think, again, I'm generalising here, but in a hospital it's pretty easy just to strap the monitors onto a a labouring woman and then leave the room and sort of come back and check the machine every so often mm. rather than spend a lot of time with her and see how she's going. Um, anyway, so I was strapped up to that machine but still trying to um, stay mobile and active and I was on the ball and the birth ball and walking around and stuff, which meant that the monitors sort of kept slipping and moving and <laughs> setting the machine off anyway. It's uh, it was a huge nuisance. I don't know. There's got to be a better way, really. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, after a while, I was pretty. I was pretty sure I didn't want any intervention at all. But after a while, I thought, let's uh, let's see what's going on. So I did request a examination. And um, the midwife. Uh, checked and she said oh you're about two or three centimeters and I was like oh okay (laughs) radio things are not things are not moving like we thought they were um but that's fine let's let's go home so we went home rather than stay um and she sort of the midwife suggested that also she said if you stay doctors are going to start you know coming in and sussing out what's going on and you know you're sort of on the clock so you might be more comfortable going home and coming back when things um yeah start start moving a bit further along so we were fine with that but we were pretty tired by this point it'd been about 24 hours that we'd been awake um so um yeah exhausted but knew that it was better to go home and things had actually slowed down a lot by this point. Um, instead of sort of every two to three minutes, things had slowed down to about 10 minutes apart. But I was still, the intensity was still quite high, um, mm. which was frustrating, so frustrating because things weren't progressing as I sort of imagined they would and, you know, as the textbook in inverted commas um, says they should be progressing. So I was getting a little bit flustered and impatient and, sort of wondering what was going on, but 
again, still trying to go back to those techniques that I've learnt and focus on that. Anyway, so that was Sunday morning at about 6am we got home and I had no idea how he passed time that entire day but um, the surges kept coming. Um, I couldn't sleep. They were still really intense. I had to be upright and moving and swaying through them so I would sort of sit on the couch and have a five-minute cat nap in between each one. Mm. But I was getting really, really tired. Adam went to bed and had a few hours sleep, which was good. Um, but I was just all over the place. Um, I couldn't really eat anything, so I was hungry um, but nauseous. And it was just like a really yuck day. Um, and I have no idea where the time went, but it, it went. And then, um, uh yeah, again, I just I couldn't sleep that night. I spent a lot of time in the bath and um, just walking around the house while Adam had a bit more sleep. And then it wasn't until the Monday morning that I was getting pretty over it. <laughs> I hadn't slept in two nights and I was, um, yeah, getting frustrated and a bit worried Um but things were taking so long and so I called the hospital and just sort of told them where we were at. I said, I said, I've been having contractions for about 36 hours at this point and I was tired and I didn't really know what was going on. Mm. And they assured me that, you know, it's normal, it can take a long time, blah, 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 but if you, if you would like to come into the hospital and, again, we'll put you on the monitor and just make sure that everyone's happy and well. And I, I like the idea of this. And um, I just wanted to do something. I wanted to feel like we were doing something and things were moving along. And I thought, you know, maybe being at the hospital will, I don't know, will make things move along. Mm. Um, and, oh, sorry, I've just lost my train of thought. Totally fine. So once you got to the hospital, um, I imagine you got strapped up to the CTG again. And did you have another vaginal examination? Yeah, so they put the monitors on me. That's what I was going to say. Um, and uh, they sort of kept asking me and kept wanting me to monitor um, the baby's movement. Like, are you still feeling baby? Are you still feeling baby? And um, this freaked me out a little bit because I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm feeling her, but I'm not concentrating on that at all. Like the last two days, all I've been focusing on is working through these contractions and uh, breathing and trying to relax. And so... Um, they kept like really, you know, hammering me about, you know, are the movements normal? Have you noticed an increased decrease? Blah, blah blah. And I was like, oh, I have no idea. I'm not focusing on that. I've got no idea if she's moving more or less or um, whatever. Mm. Um, so that's another reason why I was like, yeah, let's go to the hospital and put the monitor on just to make sure she's fine. Uh, I didn't know that she was a she, but let's make sure the baby's fine, just because I haven't been conscious enough to sort of. Uh, to worry about that. Anyway, so yeah, we got to the hospital, put the monitors on again. Um, again, it was just awful. They kept slipping off and moving and um, they couldn't get the reading that they wanted to get. I, I don't know what the parameters are, but they need to see like particular elevations and decreases in the heart rate and they're looking for a particular pattern. So you can't just sort of have it on for 10 minutes. It needs to be a particular amount of time for them to get what they want. 
Mm. Um, and because it kept slipping off and moving and adjusting, that resets the whole, you know, reading and what they want to try and find. So it was on for hours. Um, and, yeah, we, we tried to create this, you know, nice birth space and we had our music going. But it was the middle of the day now and the blinds were, like, <laughs> not doing anything. It was right as in the room, which just put me right off. Um, and then, yeah, there's just people coming in and looking at the machine and then leaving. And at one point, one of, I guess, like the orderly type staff came in and asked me what I wanted for dinner that night and, like, all this all this stuff that is not really conducive to a, um, you know, a calm birth environment. Mm. Um, anyway, luckily things started ramping up. Uh, the surges were getting heaps closer together and pretty intense and they finally got whatever reading they wanted so I could get the CTG off and move around as I liked. Um, And so after a few hours, uh, a midwife came in and asked if I wanted a cervical check and I said yes and I was a little bit nervous because I was like, oh, my God, what if I'm still only two or three centimetres? But also I was... It was like 40 hours of contractions at this point and I was feeling really, really just defeated. Mm. So I decided that, yes, it would be something that I would want to know. Um, anyway, had the cervical check, which are horrendous, by the way. I'll never get another one um, again. They're just the most uncomfortable thing. Mm. Um, and during the examination, <laughs> my waters broke. Now, the midwife says it was spontaneous, but I can't help but think that having her fingers in there might have had something to do with the reason why they burst. I guess I had a contraction while she was doing the examination. And, um, yeah, then just this massive burst and gush. And I was, I panicked. I was like, what the hell was that? Um, and, yeah, so she was just covered in... <laughs> in <laughs> my waters and holy moly if I thought things were intense previously this just took it up a notch this was like zero to a hundred um and yeah things uh, I was in a totally different mindset from here and I wasn't aware of anything happening around me I was just like breathing and moaning and screaming through the contractions and Adam was trying to keep me calm and focused on my breath and, um, yeah. yeah, before I knew it, I was um, having the urge to push and so I was mainly on the floor on my knees sort of leaning over a chair um, for the most part and then the midwife suggested I might be more comfortable up on the bed but in a similar position and, um yeah, I was, I was pushing. I've got no idea. I've got no recollection of how long this was taking, but I was really, really tired um, and exhausted. And they were trying to get a reading of the baby's heart rate with the Doppler at this point, but they, they couldn't find it or I don't know. There was all this drama about a heart rate dropping and they couldn't, they couldn't tell if it was the baby or if it was my heart rate or what was going on. But all of a sudden there's this panic and there's a doctor and a student doctor in the room and um, I've been told to get on my back and um, 
you know, the midwife's like, oh, we need to do an episiotomy. We need to get the baby out. And at this point, that's like something obviously I did not want to happen, but I was so tired and defeated and panicked now because there's all of these people in the room and I wasn't really, you know, in the right state of mind to to make an informed decision at this point. Anyway, so I, I guess I consented. Not sure how what that looked like, if it was actual me saying yes or if they just sort of went ahead based on the vibe. I don't think I said no. So, you know, there was some form of consent, I guess. Um, and, yeah, then they cut me and, um, yeah, probably one push later she was born. Um, mm. So it was all like this huge flurry and whatever, but I was really, really, really relieved to get that baby out of me. I was just really exhausted at that point yeah yeah and did she um how was she was she well when she was born was she able to be straight to you perfect yeah she was perfect she screamed um adam caught her and um said that she was a girl and plumped her up on my chest and i there's photos of me i just look like thank god that's over like i just finished a marathon um just elation and joy and relief and yeah yeah you must have been exhausted too yeah it was it was massive but um yeah I was really really happy Mm. and what were those first kind of few hours like after birth did you um start breastfeeding straight away and um when did the placenta come um, yeah, because of the episiotomy, and I think they really wanted to stitch me up, they sort of asked straight away, are you happy for us to help you get the placenta out? And I just sort of said yes, even though I did want a um, natural third stage. Um, but I was happy for it to just be done with at that point. <clears throat> um, so they gave me the shot of Sintocin, um to get the placenta out. So that was born quite quickly. Um And because I had the episiotomy and the local anaesthetic, I couldn't really feel much of what was happening down there, both when Zoe was born and the placenta was born, Mm. um, which made things interesting the second time around. But, um, yeah, I guess the hospital definition of delayed cord clamping is like three minutes or something. So we did that, but it wasn't as long as I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, But Adam cut the cord and... um, she sort of did the breast crawl but um, had quite flat nipples and so she really struggled to latch on. So she didn't feed straight away. She was sort of suckling and trying to get there but it was a little bit difficult. Um, so we ended up hand expressing and syringe feeding her for that first feed, um, which the midwife helped with and that was that was fine. I, um, I knew that we'd be able to give it a better go once things were um, a bit more calm, like, you know, my legs are in stirrups getting stitched up at this point and she's trying to feed and, you know, just wasn't the, you know, nicest position to try and get that going. Um, but, yeah, then they finally left us alone for a couple of hours and, yeah, we were just in awe, just so happy and emotional and <laughs> laughing and crying and, yeah, it was pretty epic. Yeah, absolutely huge. And, um, yeah, I feel like, would you know, your postpartum and, and recovery from that birth would be <laughs> an episode in itself. But um, 
we probably need to get on to the next birth, but would you like yeah. to share a little bit about um, kind of your emotional recovery from that birth and sort of moving away from it? What prompted you to want to have a home birth the next time around? Um, yeah, I guess uh, I thought it went perfectly until I reflected on it properly being pregnant the second time around. You know, at the time I was I was fine and I was happy with everything that happened. Um, but on reflection, you pick up so many different things. We had a real, I, that episiotomy took me ages to recover from. Um, the stitches fell out, or one or two of the stitches fell out within a few days, but they couldn't stitch it back up and then it got infected. And so for like a good six to eight weeks, I could barely sit down. I was having to have these like salt baths three times mm-hmm. a day. And so it was just awful. I was like, saw down below Zoe had um tongue tie and lip and cheek ties that we didn't get corrected until about eight weeks so my nipples were cracked and sore my episiotomy scar was sore and I just felt like I spent most of that first couple of months like in tears um I was so happy and like on cloud nine with her but everything hurt and was hard and um, it was just, yeah, a real shock to the system. Um, so when I fell pregnant with Piper, I just knew that that uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want it to play out the same way. Um, and I think the <clears throat> COVID pandemic had a little bit to do with our decision to look outside the system as well as um, at the time, you know, policies and rules were changing every day, it seemed like, and I really hated the idea of, um, yeah, someone else dictating, I guess, how our birth played out for the second time. So um, I got the idea in my head to investigate home birth and I was sold, like, within minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and... um... You're another Yarra Valley Midwives client. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed very many of them on the show. Um, did you sort of decide to have a home birth and meet them after you'd already fallen pregnant or was it um, a decision that you made um, before you fell pregnant with Piper? Yeah, well, Piper was a complete surprise pregnancy. Um, I hadn't even got a period back, so I had no idea what was going on um, until I noticed um, that my nipples were really, really sore breastfeeding Zoe um, and I was like, this is this is weird. I must be getting a period. Um, but a couple of weeks and I hadn't gotten anything and I was like, oh, I better do a test. And, yeah, bloody pregnant and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, here we go again. Um, so I did initially register online for the hospital again, um, just, I mean, because it's something that uh, – is quick and easy to do at home. I just wanted to sort of lock in that position. Um, but then, yeah, not not far into my pregnancy, I was like, oh, I'm not sure if this is what I want. And um, started doing some research and, yeah, met with, uh, over the phone, um, met with Lisa um, just for an initial um chat about it essentially to see if that's what we wanted to do and I just like fell in love with her and um 
yeah, how beautiful she was and supportive and excited for us and, you know, all of these beautiful emotions that you don't get going through the system. Um, and I think I had already made up my mind anyway about wanting a home birth uh, before I met her. Um, and then, yeah, I was definitely sold and just needed to not convince Adam but discuss with Adam, you know, what what it was and what it would mean for us. And then, yeah, he was on board pretty quickly as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, how was that um, pregnancy? Were you similarly sort of sick in the first trimester and then well for the rest? Um, yeah, it was a little bit different. I um, Similar first trimester. Um, and then in, in my second trimester, I was getting really consistent cramping. And I sort of initially thought it was just a normal pregnancy thing. Like, you know, you sort of have implantation cramping or you can have in that first you know, a few weeks and there's lots of growing and stretching that's happening. So I just thought these were normal sensations and Lisa was like, oh, it doesn't really sound right because it wasn't going away. And so I did a bunch of tests, UTI, to see if I you know, had a UTI or some other infection. I had another ultrasound to see if there was anything going on with my cervix and everything was fine. So it sort of was diagnosed as an irritable uterus, um, which sounds really vague and that's pretty much what it is. Like <laughs> it's just these period pains cramping every single day for my pregnancy um, that I guess would do, it was doing nothing. It was achieving nothing. Um, but mentally it was really, really challenging, especially towards the end of my pregnancy when, um, you know, that can be a sign of labour starting, but I was having these cramps for the whole yeah, the whole second and third trimester. So that was different and yeah. um, annoying because it was sort of unexplained. Like there was no particular reason why that was happening. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that sort of freaked me out a little bit in the sense that I thought, you know, am I going to go into preterm labour or um, – yeah, but no, as it turns out, I did not go into preterm labour. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, mentally, that was really challenging. Yeah, 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 I bet. Just especially with it being constant, you know, every single day, not getting a break from that. Yeah, exactly. The uncertainty. Um, and did you do anything different to prepare for your home birth than you'd done to prepare for the last birth? Or did you feel like having done the calm birth course previously and then getting... Um, you know, that care from your midwives that you were sort of set set as far as educating yourselves? Initially I thought that we were and then I um, just like dove even deeper into researching and learning and practising um, a lot of meditation and mindfulness and practising breathing and I had affirmations up all over the house and um, so I definitely committed a lot more time and energy into this birth preparing myself. Um, yeah, you you think of and yeah. Yeah. And did you do anything um, specific? It sounds like your postpartum last time was extremely challenging. Did you do anything specifically to try and prepare yourself to make postpartum a bit easier this time around or just knowing what you were in for was um, kind of enough? Um. 
Yeah, I guess just knowing, especially with the breastfeeding, um, knowing to get Piper checked straight away to see if she had any sort of oral ties because that really impacted my breastfeeding journey with Zoe. Um, well, made it harder. I'm still breastfeeding her, so it hasn't really impacted it. But, um, yeah, just knowing that that was, you know, a really, really hard time and we did not want to go through that again. So I mm. guess being aware of that and um, having resources to to check to check um, her out um, straight away. Um, and, I mean, we were lucky um, in terms of support. We had a lot of family support the first time around and I knew we would get that again the second time around. So I guess just having conversations with um, people surrounding that and, um, yeah, Adam's a beautiful support, so he knew what we were in for. He had a good four weeks off work as well, so, you know, that was that was good and... Mm. And how many weeks were you when labour started and how did things begin this time? Yeah, so I went to 41 plus 1, which as soon as I got over 40 plus 4, which is when I had Zoe, um, I was really, really impatient. I was like, what? I thought second pregnancies were meant to be a bit quicker. This one's longer. Um, And especially with these cramps every single day, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, when is this going to be over? Um, so, yeah, um, at 41 weeks, and, like, I was doing every trick in the book the last couple of weeks to try and get things going, but obviously Piper had other plans. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, at 41 weeks I went and got some acupuncture um, that evening and... Um, was that sort of with the intention to um, try to get things moving along or was it more just for your own comfort and healing? um, A bit of both. So, yeah, I had the first session at 40 weeks and it was like a pretty intense um, induction sort of acupuncture. Um, And uh, obviously nothing happened and I went back the following week and... It was a combination of, um, you know, a few of those particular um, points, ankles, wrists, things, um, but also a bit of relaxation as well, which was lovely um, just to help me get out of my head a bit. Um, So I had that in the evening when I was 41 weeks and then at about 9pm I had my first contraction and I had lots of little niggles and, as I said, cramps and Braxton Hicks and stuff in the first few days, in those last few days. Um, but that, that like surge, that first surge, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. This feeling is unmistakable. It's not, you know, you know, little cramping. Um, that was actually, like I could just feel my uterus contracting. Like I could feel and imagine those muscles doing what they were meant to do. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's a real one. Okay, things are happening soon. <laughs> yeah. And did you feel, I'm curious, if you felt excited when you felt that first contraction, if you were like, oh, shit, no, I remember this? <laughs> I think I was, I, honestly, I did so much work preparing myself to be ready that I was excited. Um, I think also because I had in the back of my mind that it might be another really long labour like it was with Zoe Um, so I was also like excited but okay calm down like we're in we're in for a long one here 
Um, but no, I was excited. So that happened at about 9 p.m. and I didn't say anything to Adam. Um, and I had a few more before we went to sleep that night and I still didn't say anything to him. I was like, you know, he, he can go to bed. He'll be too excited if I tell him things are happening, but let's mm-hmm. let's try and get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Um, and they were, you know, 20 or 30 minutes apart, quite gentle, but, but still I knew exactly what they were. Um, yeah, and I managed to fall asleep too and I slept through until like 3 a.m., um, which was lovely, and Zoe cooperated too, so she gave me a good um, chunk of sleep. Um, and then I woke up and I was like, oh, yeah, these contractions are still happening. And I, I knew that they had hap- they, they were happening the entire time I was sleeping, but I was just able to rest through them, which was really, really nice because last time, you know, I was up for two nights, so um, I was really appreciative that I was able to rest and, you know, sort of surrender to it. I wasn't too much thinking, yeah, I wasn't thinking too much about it. I was like, okay, yep, it's happening, but go get some sleep. You're fine. Your body's just doing what it needs to do. You don't need to be awake for this. Just relax. So mm. that was good. I almost got a whole night's sleep. Yeah, that's um, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I woke up at about 3 o'clock and I went to the bathroom and I had uh, my, like, my mucus plug came out. So I was like, okay, cool. This is, things are happening. And um, I went back to bed, but could only sleep in between each contraction now or each surge. I definitely um, needed to concentrate on my breath and getting through each wave. Um, but I was still able to get, you know, a couple more hours of sleep horizontally um, until it got to the point where I must have been breathing quite heavily um, through each one and Adam woke up at about 5 a.m. and he's like, what's going on? I was like, oh, been having contractions all night and he's like what oh my god we're having a baby <laughs> he was so excited yeah this is exactly why I didn't tell you earlier um <laughs> so I go back to sleep everything's fine it's still early um but no he couldn't sleep and I guess he was just listening to me breathe um when the surges came and then he's like oh just so you know they're about seven minutes together now and then you know another half an hour or so just so you know they're you know they're getting closer together they're lasting about 30 to 50 seconds I was like okay thank you put the put the clock away now (laughs) and did you had you already put the tens machine on at some point in the night when you first started no I was managing really really well um but it was about this time when Adam was awake I was like oh I really want to get in the shower and so I went and had a nice long hot shower which was really lovely and I was just like I was so aware of what was happening, but really, I don't know, it was such a different experience to Zoe. I just felt so much more in control and, like, I really enjoyed this part of the labour. I was really, like, visualising what was happening inside my body and it just made it so much easier to deal with, I think. Mm. Um, But things were still, yeah, things were increasing in intensity and I was, um, yeah, breathing through each one and, it was when I got out of the shower that I put the TENS machine on, um, which, yeah, which was a game changer. That was so, so good. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so it's coming into the daytime now. At what point did you give Lisa a call to let her know that things were sort of um, things were happening? Yeah, once I got out of the shower, Adam gave her a call and just sort of said things are 
you know, um, Ash has been surging all night and things are about, uh, you know, eight to ten minutes apart and she just sort of said, yep, keep me posted. Um, if you want me there now, I'll come, but if you're fine, just let me know, but keep in mind that, you know, uh, we're about an hour away, so don't leave it too late. And I think she um, she knew that I was, like, paranoid that it would take a really long time and I really didn't want to have to call them too early. So um, I was like, no, 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 we're fine. Don't, don't bother coming yet. Things are still ages away. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I had the TENS machine on and I had my headphones on and I was just breathing and Adam was busy, like, getting the space set up and also wrangling Zoe and giving her breakfast and making sure she was okay. Um, and uh, so I was just sort of alone labouring, which was fine. I was, like I said, I was really enjoying this part. I was just – I knew what to do and I was reading my affirmations and I was just really in control. Um and I just sort of said to Adam, just keep an eye on me. And when I start, like, vocalising a bit more and getting louder through the contractions, that's probably when you need to call Lisa. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that a couple of hours passed and I was with the tens, and then all of a sudden I had this freak out. I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't do this on my own anymore. Um, so I sort of yelled at Adam, I'm like, come here. I'm like, where's mum? Mum was coming over to look after Zoe. I was like, she needs to be here because I, I sort of need you to pay attention to me now and and whatnot. And I was, yeah, I was definitely vocalising and getting louder through the contractions. Um, and so Adam called Lisa and told her what was going on. She's like, oh, yeah, we had a feeling. We're about 10 minutes away. <laughs> we had a feeling things were getting along. So we're in the car. We'll see you in 10 minutes. So they seem to have a sixth sense for that. Oh, my God. I was like, what? What is she doing? <laughs> and, and in my mind I was still like, no, like it still might not happen until tomorrow, like <laughs> too early. But, no, she knew. They know best. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, so it was about 8 a.m. My mum arrived and took care of Zoe and Lisa and Robbie arrived not long after as well. Um, and they came and did their obs that they needed to do and just sort of let us be and um Adam started filling up the pool and Lisa was like do you want to get in the pool and I was like oh I was like am I allowed to get in like I don't want to get in too early I don't want you know what's and I also actually didn't really want to take the tens machine off that was doing wonders for me she's like no 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 get in the pool yes you're allowed like you're allowed to do whatever you want um have a go getting in the pool and um yeah that was like heavenly I had no idea how much I would enjoy it um but getting into that pool of warm water was amazing and then I think I started to realize at that point how tired I was getting so I was falling asleep in between each contraction in that in the pool um which was nice um so I was probably in there for about an hour and then I started getting a bit hot. So I knew I wanted to get out and I also really needed to do a wee. And Lisa's like, you can you can wee in the pool. And I was like, yeah, I, I know I can. I know there's going to be stuff in this pool at some point, but I think I might feel a bit more comfortable sitting on the toilet. Anyway, so <clears throat> I went to the loo 
um, and did a couple of contractions on the toilet and that was like horrendous, like the most intense position to be in um, sitting on the toilet um, and it was like, you know, really bright from the skylight um, that we have, whereas the rest of the house was nice and dark and moody. Um, so it was bright and it was hot because there was no air circulating and I was in this tiny little, you know, room with the toilet and, yeah, those contractions were just really, really intense. So I quickly got off the toilet um, and came back into the main room um, and I was starting to get really, like, pushy um, and really struggling. Well, not really struggling, but these contractions were pretty full on. Um, uh, I kept sort of losing track of my breath at this point, like um, getting a bit overwhelmed and not hyperventilating, but like, you know, quickly breathing where I should have been, um, you know, doing deep breaths down into my belly. Um, so I was really needing Adam and Lisa to remind me to stay on track with that and um, focus on my breath. And Lisa was telling me to spiral my hips and she was sort of giving me some counter pressure as well, which was really, really good. Um, mm -hmm. But I could tell that this was sort of like one of those crisis moments and I started thinking to myself oh my god what if I'm doing this for you know as long as I was laboring with Zoe I just couldn't get that thought out of my head I still thought that it was going to be all day and I was like I can't do this for the rest of the day um and then Lisa was like oh if you want to have this baby in the water you need to get back in the bath I was like what what do you mean is the baby coming like I still thought I was so far away even though you know I had those those pushing urges. So that was just my mind playing tricks on me. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, I'll get back in the pool. But I really felt like I needed to do number twos and I just was more comfortable going to sit on the toilet. So she's like, okay, quickly go to the toilet, but, you know, you need to get back in the pool really soon. And so I went back to the loo and did a couple of contractions on the toilet. Um uh, which again was just like yucky. And then I was like, okay, let's get back to the, I was like, I don't care what happens. Like I still needed to like go to the toilet, do number two. So I was like, whatever it is, what it is. Everyone's sort of seen enough of me at this point. <laughs> um, I'll finish that somewhere else. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I got back in the pool and again, just like sinking into that water is the best feeling ever. I guess I've, you, you know, you're never really submerged in, that much warm water at one time like bathtubs are not the same and the shower's not the same so it's just like yeah so relaxing um and yeah soon pretty much as soon as I got back in the water I was like really needing to push and the contractions were really I was really yeah bearing down and and needing to push um and I was sort of on my knees, leaning over the side of the pool. Um, and, yeah, I did a big push and my, my waters must have burst because um, I just felt this extra, like, gushing sensation even though I was in the water. I was like, whoa, what was that? Lisa's like, waters have just, just burst. Um, and, uh, yeah, not long later she started crowning and, um because I had the episiotomy with Zoe, I hadn't had this sensation before and, oh, my God, like that stretching 
and the, you know, the ring of fire was really, really intense. I definitely struggled with this part the most, um, I guess, as well, because I had no recollection of it from last time. And, um, yeah, I found it really intense and also really confusing, like um, really wanting to just get this baby out. But, you know, she's sort of stuck at that point. Not, you know, not technically stuck, but, you know, she's not ready to fully come out and just that slow moving um, through um, was really full on. Um, Lisa was, like, coaching me, telling me to just blow bubbles in the water and sort of like that horse's breath, um, I guess, to really slow things down and sort of stop me from actively pushing and just breathing the baby out, but it got to a point where I just I just couldn't do it. The 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 pressure was so much, and I just like wanted it to be over. I wanted her out. Um, I wasn't patient enough just to sort of keep breathing her out. And this and I mean I know that would have been beneficial because um, I did tear a little bit, um, but I was like no, I need to get this this baby out. So I definitely helped her along with some big, um, big pushes. And so I pushed her head out. Oh, I should say, um, uh, I was in the, in the water, um, with one sort of one knee on the bottom of the pool and one foot on the bottom of the pool. So I'm sort of like half kneel, half squat sort of position. And, um, yeah, Lisa had told me to put my hands between my legs and feel her and I could just feel like her hair floating in the water and it was just such like a weird sensation. I was like, oh, my God, like, yeah, this baby is coming. It's not another day. Like, it's now, which was good. Um, and, yeah, like I birthed her head into my hand and I was like, oh, my God, like what is happening right now? <laughs> um, and I did, uh, I did tear a little bit at that point, um, which I can see sort of like on the on the video footage you can see the, the water just sort of like slowly slowly turns red. Um, but yeah, no one was worried. It was just a little tear. Um, and then yeah, the next contraction like a minute later and I pushed the rest of her out. And that was uh, just such an it's just such an amazing feeling, just that just feeling that little baby pass through you. Um, just yeah, incredible. I think her her shoulder was a little bit caught on the cord, so Lisa sort of um, put her hands in and just helped to unloop her or um, whatever. She was a little bit stuck coming out and then just sort of passed her through between my legs and said, grab your baby, grab your baby. And I was like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> this is my baby. <laughs> um, yeah, I just felt like so much more in, involved in, in that in that moment, whereas, you know, from last time I was a little bit more detached from that, that final, you know, final pushing part. Um, and yeah, I grabbed the baby and sort of leant back and was like, holy crap, I just did that. Like, yeah, I did that. Mm. Um, I felt amazing. Gosh, so beautiful. Yeah. It was, it was just epic. I was like, holy moly. Um, yeah. yeah incredible. And did you stay in the birth pool for a little while? Um, uh, yeah, not not too long. Um, I could feel the the core. I actually tore um, quite high up on my labia, um, sort of above my urethra. Um, so I was really worried about my episiotomy scar in that section, but I did a lot of 
perineal massage in the last few weeks of pregnancy, which I think helped a bit. But I think that final push, um, I, yeah, I tore a little bit higher up and I could feel the cord like sort of leaning right against it. <clears throat> and so I was stinging a lot. I was, I was in a lot of pain. And um, also the, the water was like red at that point. So I think they, um, the midwives were like, yeah, let's get out of the pool um, just to make sure that there's no significant bleeding happening. Um, and pretty much straight away I started contracting to get the placenta out. So I didn't get a huge break either. And they're like, okay, yeah, let's birth the placenta up. Um, you know, on the couch. Anyways, they helped me out of the pool um, and I hobbled over to the couch where they'd set up a little little nest for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I was just still like, oh, my God, I did that, like in disbelief. Um, and then, yeah, Piper started doing the breast crawl Um which was nice, but also the, the <clears throat> contractions for the placenta were really, really intense and I was, like, really needing to concentrate on them. So, uh, so I was a bit distracted with her trying to crawl across and latch on because I was going back to my breathing and feeling, like, really ripped off, like, <laughs> why, you know, I just want to sit here and stare at my baby, but, um, yeah. I, didn't, I mean, I know I had to had to birth the placenta, but I wasn't expecting the contractions to be as massive as the labour, really. Mm. Um, so I was finding it a little bit distracting. Um, and, yeah, anyway, that that I think it was about 40 minutes later, <clears throat> um, looking at the notes that I birthed that, um, which, yeah, in itself was um, an amazing sensation as well. Um, which I didn't remember from last time because I had the locals. So, um, yeah, I was really glad when that came out, though, and it was over and I could really concentrate on my baby and, yeah, be, uh, yeah, have those contractions done with. Absolutely. And um, last time you had a bit of trouble initiating breastfeeding because um, of the shape of your nipples, I think sometimes maybe... Um, breastfeeding can sort of sort that out like the the shape will change were they did you have a similar issue or were they a bit better shape for breastfeeding this time yeah they've definitely changed shapes since breastfeeding um so yeah she was she was able to latch on uh heaps easier than zoe initially um so that was good and because yeah because i am i'm still breastfeeding zoe and so i fed her throughout my whole pregnancy there was none of that like you know, initial nipple tenderness or soreness. It was just, yeah, we just got on with it straight away and she's been a breeze to feed. So it's been, yeah, really nice change from last time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so lovely. Yeah. And how has tandem feeding been? How do you kind of juggle that and make it work for you? Yeah, look, I probably wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I think um, finishing up one journey before starting the next would probably be my ideal situation but Zoe's just too young and I wasn't ready to and she's definitely not ready to finish up either so um it's a handful but yeah uh we're just sort of learning day by day 
um, how to go about it. Actually, the first feed that Piper had was a tandem feed because um, my mum had just been playing with Zoe in the front yard and they came in not long after she was born and Zoe saw me sitting there naked, so she just naturally (laughs) came over and latched onto the other boob and, um, yeah, they just fed at the same time uh, for that first feed, which... Yeah, it was really beautiful and there are times when I'm feeding both of them where I look down and I think, like, I'm so bloody lucky and I love it, but um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot and, the you know, those feelings of being touched out and and sort of no space to yourself are, you know, multiplied when you're feeding two babies at once, but yeah, it is what it is. But, um yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Piper might need you, but just um, yeah. <laughs> would you like to just quickly share? You're just about ten weeks postpartum now, I think. So would you like to share a little bit about what the last couple of months has been like for you, navigating postpartum and COVID and two babies very close together and all the rest? Yeah, it's been busy, but um, I don't know. This time, it's definitely less of a shock to the system. Um, you know, I'm already a mum. I'm already in the throes of of having a young child. So adding another one in hasn't been as as full on as I expected. Um, just sort of in, just learnt to embrace the chaos a bit more this time, rather than um, yeah, the overwhelm of the of the of becoming a mum and the first baby is pretty intense. But I haven't really felt any of that this time. There's definitely hard days and. Um, you know, when both babies are screaming at you at the same time is really hard. Um, but, um, yeah, I've just been on cloud nine this time and um, to the point where Lisa had to tell me several times in those first couple of weeks where she was checking up on us quite regularly to slow down and sit down and, you know, you, you have just had a baby, you look amazing and you feel amazing, but you still need to just slow down and rest. And, I, yeah, I feel like I could have done anything the day after. I was just, I felt so good. I have really great support. My family and Adam does shift work, so he's home quite a lot as well, which is lovely. And oh, Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing both your stories. It was really Yeah, it was really beautiful to hear about your first experience in the hospital and then your home birth this time around. And I think that'll be so helpful for a lot of people who are, you know, pregnant and planning where they're going to birth and um, navigating the hospital system as well. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. No, that's fine. Thank you for having me. I I think I've listened to every single episode on this podcast Mm -hmm. and it really helped me get in the zone for our home birth with Piper. And um, so, yeah, a little bit surreal and definitely out of my comfort zone sharing something like this but it's been really fun so thank you for having me thank you so much for listening to today's episode with ashley you can find some gorgeous photos from her home birth on the keep birth wild website as well as a really comprehensive list of helpful pregnancy and birth books and resources, which Ashley found useful when planning for her home birth and has kindly provided for any pregnant women who might be listening. Thank you again to all of my listeners. Your support is everything, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next week.